All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Uncalled For Soccer Edition. Uh, I'm Brady. We're going to go around and introduce ourselves again. Uh, hi, my name is Logan. Next up. Big Trust. Woo woo. Hey, guys. Ray. I'm Ben. And that's Ben returning again. Um, all right. So going over the soccer podcast again, um, this time it's going to be a lot shorter. Uh, we're going to try to we're going to cut out most of the leagues. We're just going to go over kind of the hot the hot topics of the weekend. Um, so first off, we're going to just go over the scores of some of the big games. I'm going to turn it over to Logan. So he's going to give you the scores. All right, everybody. So we're going to start off with uh, Brighton versus Leicester. Uh, they had a two nil victory, and uh, for the in reference to the scores or the predictions for the scores, uh, Ben was the only one who got that right, and he was the only one who got any of the predictions right. To be honest, uh, we'll bring it over to Spurs versus West Ham, and that ended three two to Spurs in Mourinho's first game in charge of Spurs. Um, after that. We got Arsenal versus Southampton, which ended in a 2-2 draw. We have Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. That was a 2-1 victory for Liverpool. Uh, Man City versus Chelsea was 2-1 to Manchester City. And Manchester United and Sheffield United drew 3-3. All right, so we just kind of wanted to go over the big games, not every single game, because we know that most people don't care about the... uh, lower the lower teams in the table i mean apart from like united and whatever but um the big talking point of the weekend we're going to get right into is we're going to talk about spurs and more importantly Mourinho at spurs uh we put out a podcast last friday when pochettino got fired this was before Mourinho had got the job and that was actually thursday um, and we speculated, pretty much all of us guessed that pretty much Mourinho was going to get it. It seemed like he was the only real frontrunner about it then. Um, did you guys did you guys happen to catch much of the game or just see the highlights? Uh, yeah, I saw a majority of the game. I started in about the 10th minute and finished it on through. I think it was, I mean, fairly solid for a first performance. Uh, he put together a really solid team to face West Ham, obviously. After they went three goals up, they uh, conceded those uh, two goals in the second half. But overall, I mean, he put a team together, and it worked for him. I didn't watch any of the game. I woke up. Yeah, so, Brady's updates. So Yeah, so uh, just for everybody that's watching, we live on the east coast of the United States uh, near Washington, D.C., so the game was at 7.30 in the morning. So, I mean... I was pretty much just up all night, so that's why I was already. That's my already day, awake. so I'm sleeping in. Yeah, I don't blame you. Well, anyway, I, what I thought, I was spamming our group chat with updates as it was happening. Uh, the big thing that kind of they went played a four two three one, kind of like what they always played under Potch for the most part. Um, the different he played, he started with uh, Winks and Dyer, and I thought that. They did really well. I, you know what I think the difference was? It was a difference in intensity, I thought. Because the thing is, Spurs have really good players. They've just been underperforming. They have easily the third-best squad in the league. You know, they're in a Champions League final last year with the same team. <coughs> so they've just been underperforming. It's just about getting them motivated, in my opinion. And like we talked about in the last podcast, I think it was just, you know, 
they something needed to change there. Whether it was, you know, and the thing is, you can't change the whole team now. You have to wait till January in the summer, and it's easier to change a manager than it is the whole squad. So, um, plus we talked about too. I think Mourinho thrives and think a job like Spurs, he might be able to thrive in. Like we said before, it's that underdog role that he loves. You know, he had that with Inter and Porto and um, somewhat at Madrid, like in the league, taking on you know Pep's Barcelona. This is what he loves, and I—I'll tell you what I think. I think they look good. They should have scored a lot more in three goals. They—they they conceded two goals, you know, late in the game. They were kind of shaky off like set pieces and stuff like that, you know. But it's—it's it's normal. It was a team lacking. They were already lacking confidence anyway. So, um, but I thought it was a good performance by them. I mean, if Kane. If Kane was on top form, he would have had a hat trick easily in that game. Lucas Moura had a like a terrible miss where he was one on one with the keeper, but I thought it was a good. I, I thought they looked good. I think they looked dangerous, and I'll tell you what. I think the team that's on like fourth, third place, you know, if they can put a. The league table is pretty close, you know. It's like a lot of teams are bunched up together, so. If they put a good run together, they can really put some pressure on people. You know, they play United next in the league. No, they play United plays Aston Villa on December fourth is when they play United. And I'll tell you what, at Old Trafford, Mourinho's gonna love to uh, get. A, he's gonna love to get a win against United. Just put it in Ed Woodward's face, and it kind of same for the next time he plays Chelsea. He's gonna want to win that game too. Yeah, he's going to want to prove himself to everybody because everybody was saying he was done. You know, oh, he's washed up. He's, you know, whatever. And shit, I mean, I know the, you know, what's interesting is his assistant coach this time around is, um can't remember his name, but he was the, one of the coaches at Lille last season. You know, Lille had that big season last year with Pepe and, uh, Tiago Mendez, for example, like players like that, they had a good season last year. So Mourinho bringing in somebody that's a very attacking-minded assistant coach might just revolutionize him and make him modern. So, um, yeah, I think they look good. I, I mean, I think they could be a dangerous team if they really get it together, especially if Mourinho buys people, you know, in the, in the next transfer window. So, you guys have any other thought? You guys have any thoughts on Mourinho about? What you think's gonna end up happening, good uh, or bad? I'll say one thing. Uh, obviously, uh, Spurs needed a little bit of a transition to uh, keep moving forward. Uh, this happens every time a team gets a new coach. The players want to prove themselves. The players want to prove that they deserve the minutes that they that they want. And I think that's just what's happening right now. It's just another cycle of these players getting a little bit more motivated. Uh, for the most part, Spurs were solid. Would I say, would I say that they're perfect? No, I think Dyer was very shaky throughout a majority of the game. Harry Winks was covering yeah, him behind well, a lot. I would say with Dyer though, he kind of has been the odd man out for a little while at Spurs. Yeah, I was going to say Dyer hasn't really played that many minutes this season. So yeah. I think him bringing in somebody like, I mean, I know Ndombele wasn't in the He's starting injured. 11. Yeah, once he, well, once he comes back, I think that he might start to utilize Ndombele a little bit more. But, I mean, he's got everything that he really wants in that team. He's got two strong, sturdy center backs that are quite tall 
and imposing in the air. Uh, he has a, a perfect number nine in Harry Kane. He's got the hold-up play. He's got this immense finishing quality when he's on form. Obviously, he wasn't too much so. Uh, Sun is a very tricky player out wide. Uh, somebody that he usually doesn't have in his team is somebody like Lucas Mora. It was interesting to see him play in a Mourinho team. Somebody who's a little yeah. bit more small and agile as opposed well, you know, to his big, strong funny. teams that he likes to build. When I was thinking about it, you know, for anybody watching this, if you guys go on YouTube and you watch Statman Dave's video on Mourinho's tactics with Spurs and how it'll work compared to what he did at, at uh, United, a lot of it's kind of similar, but I'll tell you this, and it made a lot of sense when he said this. When United struggled last year scoring goals under Mourinho, the problem was is Lukaku would be isolated up top, and Lukaku was also terrible with his back to goal. He was terrible at holding the ball up. Harry Kane, that's probably his best attribute. Playing with his back to goal, kind of playing in the midfield, and with uh, Deli Alley playing as a number 10 who likes to get forward too and scores a lot of goals and well, has scored a lot of goals, it kind of like is the recipe, the perfect thing that Mourinho wants. And if t plus at United, he didn't have a right winger or anybody that was capable of doing that. He has Mora who can play on the right, and he has Son. It's the perfect spot for him to have the balanced play he wants. Where at United, he never had the balance. It was either Martial on the left, and it, it either went from because Pogba played on the left, so it was uh, you know, Pogba, Martial, and Luke Shaw, kind of playing amongst each other for most of the game, and then the right side was Jesse Lingard, you know, basically playing centrally in the middle because he tucks in so much. So there was no balance, and I think this is a kind of a. A great setup for him and plus two when he's at united he we were linked to like almost every spurs player that was like halfway decent so you know he kind of has his wish who wasn't united linked with who wasn't it was, it was a it was a uh, question that wasn't meant to be answered oh so did you say that. oh did you say who who they who were they linked with or who wasn't I say we just forget what I said, in my opinion. Okay, well, whatever. Spur United are generally linked to fucking every player anyway. But, <laughs> That's like, what I meant. But, okay, that, yeah. But, but like, specifically them, like, with Alderweireld, um, Harry Kane, a few a few seasons. Um, at one time, Lucas Moore, like, when, United, when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge before he went to PSG. Uh, link with Dyer before we got Matic. And Dombele briefly um, and now we're linked with erickson who yeah i believe sat on the bench he did he did but i think actually deli alley fits what Mourinho does he's going to be that that goal scoring frank lampard that uh Mourinho had but um but yeah anyway um what about you ben you have any thoughts on spurs and Mourinho? i just hope it works out i guess for them as i know it was good for a while with us, and then our players kind of quit up. on him too, yeah. Um, and you know they gave up because the next season they win the league, so. Yeah, with the same team almost. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. And that's the thing with, um, well, that's a true, that's that's very true. The United players gave up on Mourinho too um, and stopped playing for him, and the Chelsea players did that with, well, the thing is, because like you said, Conte <laughs> came in, Won a championship, and then the next year the they yeah, quit exactly. on Conte too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, 
I mean, I don't know. The Spurs players in two and a half years would quit on Mourinho as well, and, you know, he'll go somewhere else. So, But anyway, all right, well, we'll move on from um, Spurs and Mourinho. And we're going to go over to the Arsenal-Southampton game. Now we're going to let Trey vent his frustrations. And, um, Trey, are you uh, Emery out? I've been Emery out <laughs> since we lost that <laughs> final out. at Chelsea. Um in the summertime when that whole thing went on with the $45 million transfer budget. Um, I know it, it's not entirely his fault, but at the same time, you got to make upgrades to the team no matter what. Uh, if you're going to be a top six side, you, you have to, you know, you have to upgrade your team. Um, I'm not going to lie. This, this season, I had a lot of confidence coming in. I thought it wasn't going to be guaranteed, but I thought that we had a, uh, a better chance than, in the previous season to get top four yeah, and if we didn't get top four then you know it was it was obvious that he had to go so now it's november 25th um and we're currently in what are we in sixth seventh something like that seventh place um ways away from top four and we're at a situation where do we give him time or wait till the end of the season to see what he can do, or do we get rid of him now to just get a caretaker and yeah. see if the see if the team will improve? So I'm to me me I think that we should just Is let him eight? go. Eighth, well, I didn't even think it was that bad, but <laughs> I think we should, I should I think we should just hurry up and let him go right now before it gets even worse. It's obvious that the team has quit on him after Lacazette's equalizing goal in the 96 minute. Nobody celebrated. Booze from the crowd. Um, and you know, watching Emery, uh, whenever the camera's on Emery during these games, you can just see him, you know, he just looks like, he just looks like, (laughs) you know, I, I, I mean, he just has that, that, that look in his eyes is like, I'm, I'm fucked, you know, like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I can do. And I mean, it's just the, the formations. I think I saw a stat where we had seven different formations in seven different games. And the yeah. players look, and the players look lost on the field. Obviously, they're going to look lost if you played seven different formations, you know. And yeah. we and the thing about Emery is he gives these these lower table teams too much respect. It's Southampton; they're nineteenth place, and we're playing five in the back with two defensive midfielders. And then you bring on Pepe at halftime. What is the? What's the point? I mean, like it's yeah. it's just crazy to just like think of the stuff that he's done, and you know he's act he's he's actually ruining. The team more than he is helping you know what's crazy when, when i think about this when we talk about big club mentalities and all this shit you know Bayern munich were first in the league lost a game fired their coach barcelona typically would have already fired their coach so valverde must have some nudes on messi or something he's threatening to leak i don't know what's going on how he hasn't lost a job um zidane probably well he's doing all right this year but started off kind of shaky i mean I think he'd have a lot more pressure on him if he wasn't Zidane, you know, um, and wouldn't have won three Champions League finals in a row. I mean, that should give you some time. But um, but that's the thing. Like, with Spurs, they made a big club mentality move, if you think about it. They were struggling, and, you know, Arsenal and United, we're sitting here like the our, you know, uh, board are saying, you know, we're going to give them time, we're going to stick with them, and... Everybody's divided, but you know what Spurs did? They did something about it. They saw it wasn't working and had the balls to make a move. 
where our clubs have sat around. Solskjaer has like, what is it, 30-something? He has a worse record than David Moyes did when he was at United. I Think about that. Think about that for a second. I know, you know, everybody's going to say Moyes inherited the um, title winners and everything, but it was an aging team. And he was also trying an to... an overachieving team. Very, very true. Overachievers. Yes. Yes, exactly. The only players in that team that were at that point in time, top players, were, was Van Persie, Rooney. Um, shit. I mean... That's about it. <laughs> I mean, really, like honestly, Chris like, Smalling the goat. Um, well, he didn't play as much that season because that was more of that was like Vidic and Ferdinand's last year, and they were struggling. They didn't have legs anymore to keep up. But you know, Solskjaer's win percentage is in the thirty percent. Is like somewhere like what is it like thirty six percent or some shit like that, Logan? I think it's actually thirty three. Yeah, Mourinho had like almost sixty percent. We're gonna sit here and pretend like everything's okay. Well, okay, whatever. We're not gonna get United. That's for later. Um, but yeah, that's my point about Arsenal and our and United. Well, at least our clubs is we've sat around and allowed ourselves to get this way, and we haven't done anything about it. Now, I do think Arsenal did try to take the right steps in the summer. You know, you said the forty-five million, but they went and fucking blew that out of the water with Pepe by himself. <laughs> Um, they got Saliba, loaned him back out. Don't understand why. Well, and then... apparently, apparently uh, Saliba's linked with uh, Real Madrid now, so he might not even <laughs> get to play <laughs> a game. Get him. <laughs> and I mean, that's the thing, dude. It's more than just Champions League that we're going to be losing out on. Don't get me wrong; that's the season's right. not over yet. We still have a chance with the Europa League, and you know, if we do end up keeping Emery, which knowing Arsenal, we probably will, we'll finish fucking tenth place and end up winning the Europa League, if that, because. Unai Emery's a Europa League specialist, but it's more than just the Champions League that we're losing out on. The players he'll, that'll leave. Aubameyang, Aubameyang is thirty, about to turn thirty-one. He's getting older. He wants to. He wants to finish out his years uh, winning trophies. You know, he's linked with yeah. Barcelona. He hasn't re-signed his contract. Mm-hmm. Lacazette is getting older too. He's in his late twenties. He's in his prime. Well, he's our player. He's our he's our player of this. Our player of the year. So uh, he's. He's he's gonna he's gonna want to win some trophies. He'll probably be gone if we don't make the Champions League. Um, I know Guendouzi was linked with PSG this past summer, uh, and I mean it's just Torreira's been linked with teams in Italy. And I mean we're if we don't get Champions League, we're gonna lose our whole team, and then we're gonna have to start fresh. And then no manager will if we do get rid of Emery, no manager is gonna want to come in and try to build this team up from the ground because we don't have a transfer budget, so it's not like we can go out and just replace these players. I mean, we haven't had a striker this good in Aubameyang since, I mean, you can even argue that he was, he was better than Van, Van Persie. I mean, it's arguable. Mm-mm. And it's just like, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to lose these players and then end up with, I mean... I don't know if Pepe will stay. I mean, you never know. He he could be that kind of player that leaves the team and just goes and just destroys the competition on another team due to the right coaching and stuff like that. But it's just it's just bad times at Arsenal right now. Well, I mean that's the thing. When you, what I really thought like before this season, you said about top four, you're optimistic. This year of all the years, I thought top four like. 
third and fourth, wide open. third and fourth place should have been. I well, I expected Spurs to be there, but fourth place I really thought was up for grabs, because you figure Chelsea didn't have a transfer. Um, oh, I didn't think they couldn't make transfers. I don't exactly, going to be anywhere close. Yeah, they couldn't make any any deals. Frank Lampard just coming there. He only had one season as a as a um, as a manager. Um, <clears throat> So it was. There's a lot of question marks there, um, and then United. You know, Paul Pogba didn't want to stay, but we still have. I wasn't really all that confident. I mean, we let our top goal scorer the past two years go. Didn't replace him. Let our second best midfielder go. Didn't replace him. We improved our defense, but I really thought it was you know up for grabs. And shit, Leicester City has said no. That's fucking ours. And everybody just have to deal with it. You know what I mean? And that's just the case. Because, um, shit, that midfield they have is might be the second best midfield in the league behind cities. Like, pl- player Report, for player. I think Bleacher Report Football had Leicester City, like, top ten teams in the world at the moment. They, I mean, they play like it, and they, they play good. Brendan Rodgers has them playing like a well-oiled machine right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts you had on Arsenal right now, Trey? Uh, uh, not, I mean, not really. I mean, it's just, I'm more concerned of, I already know Emery's going to be gone. I mean, there's, there's no way we're going to keep him. I'm more, I'm looking more towards the future right now. I'm, I'm scared for our future. You know, it's, if we don't get Champions League, the players are going to leave and then we're not going to get a manager that will want to come in and take on the challenges of rebuilding a team and stuff. It's just. Yeah. Whatever. Emery out. Simple as that. All right. right. Don't yeah. wait. Get him the fuck out. As a United fan, I would say I'd like Emery to stay. Just as much as I know every other a fan of every other big team wants uh Sulcher to stay in. We'll be in the <laughs> Champions League before he gets or we'll be in the championship before he gets fucking sex. You wanna you want a good uh uh, you know, if you ever want to, you wonder what people think about your team or your manager. Like, don't ask other other fans. Ask opposition fans, because if opposition fans say like, like, if they get this manager, you know, I hope they don't get him. Or I hope this guy stays. That tells you everything. If Arsenal fans say, I hope, I hope Ollie's in forever. That's not a good sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, t- I don't know. I I think that's that's how at least I think. Um, but anyway, we'll wrap up. Arsenal. Trey is Emery out. I'm Emery in. Good uh, evening forever. So <laughs> anyway, moving on to an even worse team and a bigger joke: Manchester United. That is facts. This, that is actual this, factual. This weekend was a this was a roller coaster ride of a fucking game. I'll tell you what. Now, Sulcher, the United the United fans are so split on him. You have, I think, the people that are the most loyal to him are fans that are disillusioned or just have the picture of him scoring the game winning goal in the '99 Champions League final. And I don't blame him for that, but he's a legend for what he did on the field, not as what he's done as a coach. People need to realize that. It's two completely different things. Um, with this game, he got some praise, but I'll tell you what. 
I think he did showed more signs that he is in his <coughs> job than he did, you know, than he did anything good. So put it to you this way: we went with a five in the back to start with. Um, you can say three in the back, whatever. It was a five in the back with he, and he decided to play Phil Jones, which is a fucking mistake. Phil <laughs> Jones should not wear. He should not be anywhere near Manchester United. Not even fucking close. Yeah, he looked pretty bad. He's just a fucking mistake waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you saw the first goal when he just got bodied out of the way. I mean, yeah, Jesus he got, Christ. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Phil Jones is fucking huge. I just... Man, I'll tell you what. Solskjaer put us under pressure playing that way with Pereira and Fred in midfield by themselves. Two small, weak midfielders that struggle to get a foothold in any fucking game. A Europa League game against fucking teams that wouldn't even play in the championship, let alone Sheffield, who have been killing it this year. And we just get outrun and outworked in everything. The first half was just a joke. And then this, and I will give him credit. He switched it up in the second half. Subbed off Phil Jones. Showed some balls in doing that at halftime, but... Jesse Lingard on. We switched back to a 4-2-3-1. Then it started to... I don't really know if it really started to turn around as much as it was just Sheffield taking their foot off the gas. Um, but... I, the game did not show any signs of improving, and then magically from the 70th minute to about the 80th minute, we scored fucking three goals at from fucking nowhere. And then he does the worst thing, where he ruins his change. We have all the momentum in the game. It's not even close. All the attacking momentum, we're holding the ball up well. Marshall's dropping deep, helping out the midfielders, spraying it around, you know, moving the ball quick. And he subs off Martial for Axel Tuanzebe. And this is the problem. Then he puts Marcus Rashford up front. Marcus Rash has been on good form lately, but he cannot play striker and he cannot hold the ball up. So what he did is we lost a foothold in the game because our striker can't hold the ball up and the midfielders had one less person to pass to because Rash was always looking for a run in behind. So he completely fucked it for us where we lost all the momentum that put us under pressure again just for them to score late on to tie it back up. And to me... That just showed somebody that's fucking clueless. And I know some people will probably say, oh, you think you could do better? No. Logan and I had a pretty much a terrible record when we were coaches. But we learned a lot. And I swear to God, I don't know if Social could do any better than what the team we fucking had. <laughs> um, at least that's my thoughts. I mean, I think... If he was, if this was any other team, he would have been fired a long time ago. And um, it just seems like the board they they stick with the narrative. They want to they want to just he's the future and he's building the future. But anyway, Logan, what as our other resident United fan, what do you think? What do you think? <sighs> Where to start with this one? Um, honestly, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has proved time and time again that he may very well be the most tactically inept manager 
of all time. <laughs> uh, we literally were getting the brakes hammered off of us by Sheffield United. And all credit to them, they've been fucking putting together some performances. They've been playing very well. They have our fucking loney goalkeeper, Dean Henderson, playing his socks off. Well, luckily he didn't play against us. Well, yeah, but luckily. He scored three goals against them if that was the case. No kidding. But, like, literally we were getting the shit kicked out of us the whole game. And then the one good thing that he's done all season is he was like, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to throw on some attacking options. I'm going to press Sheffield. Because that's what happens with these teams that, are, that play like Sheffield, that play like City. If you pressure them with their nice, fancy football, then you're going to fucking get in behind a lot. And we proved that we could do that with Daniel James, Marcus yeah. Rashford, Martial, and it was going good. We scored three goals in seven minutes. I can't tell you the last time we have ever done that. And not to mention that it was the first time we've had two teenagers score in a, in a game since, I think, 06 or maybe 04. Yeah. Uh, but... uh Everything's going good. We have the momentum. And then what do you do as we completely switch the narrative of the game? You bring off our our forward, who's arguably the best at hold-up play on our team. Well, not arguably. He is the best at hold-up play yeah. on our team by far. And you throw in Tuan Zabi, which I love Tuan Zabi to death, but he should not come in at that time. We had to keep putting pressure on. And... I'm going to say one thing. I was reading Twitter, and I got to Mr. Steven Housen, the lovely guy, lovely, lovely United fan, love him to death, love his viewpoints on most things. But uh, the thing that I have to disagree with him about is he said that if he, Ollie would have been blamed regardless. He said he would have gotten lamented more by keeping them on and getting equalized than changing it up and trying to tighten up the defense, which over the past couple of years, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time we try to tighten up our defense, we let in an equalizer or we let in a goal that makes us lose a game. Mm -hmm. We cannot tighten up our defense. Our defense is garbage. The yeah. only good defense we have is Aaron Wambasaka. And Brandon Williams is really good going forward, and he's decent go defensively, but like... <sighs> You don't tighten up. That is not the modern style yeah, of football. And, see, and I saw that tweet, and I saw your reply to that. Now, the one thing is with that, I wouldn't have had a problem with that substitution if if we would have lost. Okay, so we had the momentum. The time to make a sub like that is when the game starts to get a, get a little stale. Once it's like, okay, we're not getting the ball as much. We, you know, we're starting to lose our foothold a little bit. Not when we're getting once, chance yes, after once chance that after momentum, chance. Once that momentum dies, that's when you do it. You let the momentum kind of play its course, and then you do it. We've learned that the hard way uh, when we were coaching. Making changes too late, making them too early, panicking <sighs> and making changes. You know, it, it's it's... It takes a long time to be able to learn how to do that properly. And I'm a big and with that being said, I will say this. United, being the Manchester United manager is not where you should be learning on the job. That's no, not where you should be learning on the job. And I will say this and I want I, I want to question what goes on on the sideline. What 
I, I would love to be able to sit there and hear the talk between Salkshir, Carrick, uh, McKenna, and Phelan. That's a lot of people. I know Solskjaer is a manager, but who gets the most say? And I would say the person who would know best would be Mike Phelan, who is uh, Ferguson's assistant coach from 99 to 2013. The man literally threw our, the peak from the treble winners to the last season he was there when he won the title. That guy would know the most. Um, That's the guy who should argue. Arguably, does he? And, and does he? And yes. And does he? Does he kind of let Sulcher do his thing? Does he let him do it? Who does it? Because because sometimes you see, you know, either Phelan standing on the sideline, standing in the and the um on the touchline, giving orders, and then sometimes you see Sulcher and whose idea is it to do, to do what. And also, it'd be kind of out of place for feeling might feel out of place for stepping in and, and making decisions because he's not the manager. Um, I'm sure if he would have done that under Ferguson, he probably would have been fired because that wasn't a guy you ever undermined. Um, but I would love to sit there and hear it and hear the discussion from them and and see where everybody's at with some of the fucking decisions that that go on. And like I said, I'll give him credit for. He has to take blame for the way we started, the formation we set, we set up in, because he made us, he had us on the back foot from the start. Then he changed it, did a good job of changing it, being ruthless, and getting it right. And he should have stuck with it until it started to, to go stale. Then you make that change to kill the game off. Not when you're on top, and you switch it, and you switch the whole dynamic. Because then when you do that, you, you basically say, okay, we're done with the ball. And you invite the pressure, and I and I've never been a fan of inviting pressure. It, it's it's a terrifying thing as a coach when you're watching your team. Well, Logan and I forgot our first win when we were coaches. Did, we, we had a one nothing lead, and I think we sat back for the last like fifteen minutes of the game. Like the, <laughs> like it was. And you remember standing on the sideline, and at, was it Brook Point? No, it was Brook Point. It was, was that, or was it North Stafford? No, it was, no, it was Brook Point. Point. It was Brook Point. We were standing on the sideline, and I remember, like, it was like torture sitting in anticipation of when they would cross the ball in or, like, their midfielder. Somebody would have the ball on the edge of the box, and I would hold my breath like, oh, no, 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 no. It was, like, <laughs> the most painful thing ever, and I hated it, and I wish we were a better team to be able to play out, but, we, but we're not. And I would argue, you know, Sheffield are ahead of us. It comes down to their coaching because player for player – they are. They do not have any player that is more talented than any United player, and that. And I believe that to be a fact. And they're just coached properly. Um. I think about it this way: take some of these United players, put them on City. I think Martial would be an unbelievable. I think Martial would score thirty plus goals easily playing for City, easily playing striker for them. Having Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling having these little cutback passes on the penalty spot for him, he'll bury those every time. So, but I'll tell you what, disappointing. It felt like a loss, blowing that lead. But I was so happy for Brandon Williams and so happy for Mason Greenwood to score. Of anything, those are the two things that I was most proud of, is to see them score. Brandon Williams had a good goal. Um... And uh, Greenwood showed great instincts on that run. 
we have not we've and I'll tell you this that's one thing that Marshall doesn't do that well is he he doesn't he's not the greatest poacher neither is Rasher to getting on the end of those crosses um but that was good by Greenwood and I think in four or five years he'll be better than Marshall or Rasher I I believe that I think with even maybe the next few years um crazy to think he's only he just turned 18 years old so um but credit to them um Anyway, we're going to move on from United now. Um, now we're going to go over to Ben's territory for the Chelsea uh, City game. And um, what were your thoughts, Ben? I, I missed the game. I missed most of the game, so I'll kind of let you take the floor on this one. Um, so honestly, I don't know what to expect going into this game. Uh, last time we played them, like February. We got beat six nothing, so <laughs> I had no idea what to expect with a younger team, new mm-hmm. coach. Um, but I thought we'd held our own pretty good. We were having our chances. We missed a ton of chances that we should have put in. Um, but I mean, City did too. So either way you look at it. Yeah, I um, watched. The, I was gonna say I tied in on that. I did watch a little bit of the game. Um, it seemed like in the first half, like Chelsea just. Just missed the goal wide. Yeah, and um, you know, I I never seen. Well, actually, no. There's been a there's this season especially, but like Chelsea had a few spells where they dominated the ball, and you know, Man City are a team that like to keep possession of it, especially against Arsenal when they have eighty percent possession majority of the time. Yeah, but just my prediction last week, I I did say that. Man City was going to come in and win the game in a dominating fashion because Chelsea would be very inexperienced and stuff like that. But that wasn't the case. I mean, Conte looked good. Everybody looked good. And, you know, they just held their own. And it they made it a better game than what I thought it would be. Obviously, it wasn't enough to come out with a win because City's just too... There's just too much talent. They're, they're just too good. And De Bruyne was putting in balls. Yeah. And it was just... It, like I said, I mean they they just have quality, but Chelsea Chelsea looked pretty good at times too. So, and with the thing that bothers me about Chelsea is it always seems like it comes down to defensive errors and just mental mistakes of giving the ball away in the worst areas, turning the ball over in midfield, putting us on a counter attack, uh, Kepa kicking the ball right to Aguero, luckily hit the post, but I mean. If you're playing a team like City, you just can't do, can't that. do that. It's yeah. maybe against a lower team, but not against City, not against the top teams. Um, but, I mean, I guess it's a stepping stone for the future. Yeah, well, I would say this. Um, if you're a Chelsea fan, I think you can keep your head held high on that. There's no shame in losing to City. There's yeah, none. I'm not. You know what I mean? You're talking about a team over the last two years have almost been fucking perfect. Yeah. You know, and winning the league like flawlessly. And um, what is interesting? I'm looking at uh, ESPN. Fernandinho played, started at center back. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see the, the back line. The lineup has uh, Mendy, Fernandinho, Stones, and Howcanzello. So, which I think is crazy. I'll tell you what. If City go out in January and spend big on a center back. I tell you, uh, if they went out and splashed the splashed the money for a uh, Kula Bali, 
Man, I tell you what. I tell you what. Hands down. Yeah, it has been. And he's good on the ball. Hands down, City would be, I think, undoubtedly the best team in the world. Then just like on paper, you know, you look at the midfield of uh, Rodri, Silva, and De Bruyne who started the game. That just isn't fair. That just isn't fair. Then you have Mares, Aguero, and Sterling. Sterling's one of the best wingers in the world. Mares was player of the year when Leicester won the, you know, won. And he would be on the bench if Leroy Sané was hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They have players like that on the fucking bench. You know, Gundogan on the bench. Well, yeah, Gabriel even their Jesus. B team is better than most teams in the Premier League. Their 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 bench and reserves would prop would be make top four. So, um, which is which is crazy. One talking point for the uh, City game. I know it didn't it didn't make a, a difference, but uh, VAR. I did see this. The VAR called on Sterling. Just like what in the, you know, what's crazy about VAR? I thought it was supposed to be for clear and obvious mistakes. Yeah. What the fuck is clear and obvious about that? Yeah, there's two things into this. Is it was definitely onside, and then what the fuck was Kepa doing, and how did he yeah. not save that? Well, and see, that's the thing. Like when I, when I like look at that, like looking at it, it was onside to me, even with the close up and all that shit, and the line was crooked. Yeah, the and line was like, definitely crooked. Like I'm like, what the fuck? And they have somebody reviewing it. How do you sit there and have all and have the time to review it and still fuck it up? And if it's that close, you should just go with the call on the field. That's like in the NF and it's like American football, the NFL. You know, if it's inconclusive, they go with the call on the field. And that's what you know. I was I was shocked that they said no goal. Yeah, they got. I was going to be three one, but and we got to do something. Has to be done about this, and this is going to move right into the next top, the next one. Fucking Liverpool. I saw a, one, a, a tweet that I thought was hilarious. Somebody said, um, "When Liverpool win the league, are they going to make? Uh, are they going to give medals to the people that are in the VAR booth too? Because these guys get bailed out." By VAR in some bullshit decision more than any team I've ever seen. And it happened at the end of last year, too. Um, just, I forget, who, whose goal was it? it uh, Zaha. Crystal, yeah, Crystal Palace scored a goal. I think it was late in the first half. And um, VAR took it, took it back because there was a shove in the box. Something that pretty much happens on every corner, every set piece, and all that shit. But when is it called? In a Liverpool game, when it's against Liverpool. If Van Dyke shoved somebody to the ground and scored a header, they wouldn't take it back. I mean, it's just it just seems how it is. And um, I don't know if there's any Liverpool fans watching this, and you'll probably call me and all of us butthurt United and Arsenal and Chelsea fans. But, I mean, at this point... I mean, it's just like I'm almost numb to it. I'm almost numb to like the controversy with Liverpool and fucking, you know, getting these calls. Granted, they are a good team, but and you want to know something crazy? There's like is it almost seems like every other week there's something that has to do with Liverpool and the VAR like yeah. controversy. So. We had this one. We had um, 
I remember the one against Leicester when they tried to decide if it was a penalty or not. Um, it just always seems like it's something. Well, even before VAR was introduced, I well, mean, last year uh, they fucking had so many with... fucking offside goals. It's ridiculous. Fabinho, it was against Newcastle last year, and this is when they were really putting pressure on City. Um, against the Newcastle last year, when Fabinho dove, didn't even get oh, touched. Yeah. Dove, and they scored a goal in, in stoppage time. <laughs> it's just like. You know, and the ref standing right there. It also I, happened uh, against against City too, when Fabinho came down and shot that uh, that long shot. Um, yes, yes. See, there was a Trent had a handball, and they went back. Didn't yeah. they go back and review it? And they said that it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a handball. But there's a uh, God, I can't remember what it was. But I, I mean, even if, I don't even have to remember a moment. I just know that for a fact. There has been something like that for Liverpool, where the other team has had an unintentional, obviously unintentional handball, and they will just they will give Liverpool a penalty. So I mean, yeah, they they really seem like they're getting helped out, and unfortunately for Logan and I, who well, I know everybody here pretty much hates Liverpool, but as a United fan, I've gotten used to watching City win a league. But if I had to choose between City and Liverpool. I would choose City every time, but it's just destined. Well, you know what? Even if it's uh, the league, VAR, they'll all make it happen one way or another. This just seemed like it, it seems like it's on the cards. You know, Liverpool are going to win it every time that they always get, you know, they're down and out. Some fucking bullshit happens that pulls them right out of it. And, you know, it's it's... It gets old. It gets old for sure. Um, and I don't. And another thing about V. What? What? What do you? What? What does it mean when it has to be clear and obvious? Because, uh, in, in my in my definition of clear and obvious is if the ball hit his hand, it's a handball. But yeah. I mean, I must be living in like a like a parallel universe to the people. <laughs> that make the rules I, yeah, I would I say understand. like. I would say like if a player's like fucking a yard or two off sides or five yards and it's clear. It's like, holy shit, how'd you miss that? Or say like a handball where it was like clearly had his hand out and not in a natural position. You know, like shit like that. But where it's like you're going back and reviewing it for like fucking a centimeter off sides. You know, that then then we're crossing a line. You yeah, know, to the we, point now. Go ahead, Ben. When we played uh, Watford a couple weeks ago, um, Georgino like barely tapped uh, Delafeu's shin. Hmm. He took a couple more steps and then he fell down, and the and they didn't call it on the uh, on the field, but then VAR started reviewing it, and it took forever. The commentators like, if they call this a penalty, I'm done with football. It's totally ruined. And then what do they do? They call it a penalty, and I wanna... the uh, commentator said the ref deserves a red card or VAR. And... <laughs> I wanna I wanna add two things onto that. Did you guys see? Uh... Kieran Tierney's penalty that he gave away against Southampton. I didn't. Um, yeah, so it was it was I mean he did he did pull him back, or well, at least you know, the guy sold the guy that flopped pretty much sold it. But uh, Kieran Tierney pretty much just like uh he he kinda he kinda held he kinda put his hand on his shoulder and it was almost like, you know, he was like trying to pull him back. But mm-hmm. the guy who he touched fell forward. So why the hell 
and it was obviously a flop and they went to VAR to, you know, um, confirm that it was a penalty. So why the, why the hell would the guy flop forward if he's being pulled backwards? Why, why wouldn't you go to VAR and say that that's a, that's a flop? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Go back and review him for dives. You know, it's just, it's just kind of a crazy thing. It's It's getting out of hand for sure. I'm to the point now when I see a goal, I don't even like to react to it yeah. because I'm. Like, and it doesn't, and that's another thing. It it ruins the flow of the game. Like it ruins the the natural, the natural flow of the game. You know, like yeah, because oh. now they they'll pull it back so far that it's like there could be a foul like yeah. a minute ago, and then they'll be like, oh, let's pull it back for a VAR, and you take it away, and it's just it kills the flow. Every time there's a goal scored, I always like. I have that moment of where I'm like, okay, let's see, is it gonna be, you know, are they gonna, is a referee gonna start fucking make do the little VAR hand gesture and all that shit, and it's just like, oh god. Yeah, I I think they should just just take the shit out the, the game, thing or is, or they can implement that um sort of like I don't know if this would be dumb or not, but to keep to to keep the game shorter. And not waste everybody's time. Maybe they should add in like sort of like what the NFL has and shift the, the man. Yeah, like a challenge. Yeah, I think I think that would be a good. I think have it. Okay, I think what they should do is they should have it for when like <clears throat> it's really clear. Yeah, I mean I don't know because then it's because I don't really want to leave it to the discretion of when they're going to call it when they're not. On. I mean, if it was like the refer uh, uh, manager's decision, you know against you know you let the f- play go on but then i think managers would take it then there would be a tactical thing you know what i mean and then yeah. what would the punishment be for that you know like in the sure. nfl they take How away a time they take a timeout you know but like in in soccer like what are you gonna do are you gonna give somebody a yellow card lose a sub you know lose a sub or uh, they could just they could just give them a certain amount that they can use so you know, like if the manager really feels like, you know, so it, it's not it's not um, excessive, you know, like it'll it'll slow the game down, yeah. But that's, I mean, it's it's fucking better than after every single goal or or foul. I mean, they're taking two minutes to review yeah. it and see if it's actually conclusive and quote unquote clear and obvious, whatever the hell yeah. that means. So yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Enough of hating on Liverpool. We'll save that for our next episode. We'll probably do it every week. Every uh, <laughs> week. And every controversy. Uh, our last topic for tonight. Pochettino. Uh, no news yet, really, on what's been going on. It's been linked to a lot of jobs. Uh, been linked. There's a lot of pressure now on Sulkshire because a lot of United fans want Pochettino in. Remember, at one point in time, Sir Alex Ferguson really wanted Pochettino in. Um what do you guys think's next for Poch? Where do you think he's going? Where do you want him to go? Not I yet. We, I say we uh, fire Solskjaer and uh, install Pochettino as our next manager as quickly as possible. I I, swap I I get this feeling. I don't know. I don't. Know, you guys are going to disagree. I know you guys are, but I just get this this weird feeling that he's going to be like he's going to be like a Mourinho and just sort of sit back and relax for the rest of the season. Um, I don't think Bayern – I mean, I think Bayern could use a coach, obviously, mm-hmm. but I just don't think that they're in a rush with it right now. 
because, I mean, they're in first place, um, yeah. doing well in the Champions League and stuff like that. So I think I think Pochettino is going to – I don't – I think there's a, like, there's a real possibility that he'll sit out for the rest of the season and then start fresh with a new team to where he has the whole summer mm-hmm. to, you know, work with them and stuff like that. So that's what I think he'll do. What do you think, Ben? I don't know. I don't want to see my United because I don't want them to be good. Uh, I don't know. I could see him eventually going there. Shulkshire can't turn it around. Um, I don't know. It's hard with the point in the season that it is. That it is and if he wants to jump right in or wait till the new season starts. Yeah, I would say for a guy like him, it'd be kind of hard to – not hard, but it'd be – um, it'd be kind of crazy to come in and you know when the dust hasn't settled yet from Solskjaer leaving and you know to take just, over a team like that. Just don't pull a sorry and hire a coach literally halfway through the off season. Give yeah. him no time well, to you, you know buy what, players or anything. What scares me with this? It's the fear of missing out. Yeah, I'm terrified he's gonna take a job, and because here's the thing. I think if he went to Bayern Munich, I think it'd be a great deal for him. Because what do we know he's good at? Taking young players and fulfill, and making them fulfill their potential. And I think the way... Nabry would turn to a Ballon d'Or fucking... The, yeah, well, a lot of them. I mean, I think he would take that team and the style of player and the players they have. I think he would do amazing with them. And it, you know what else he would do? It'd teach him how to win. Because he'd walk in there and he'd win, he'd win the Bundesliga, he'd win the their um, their league cup, and he probably would go far in the Champions League. Um, I think it would teach him, it give him that, teach him how to be a winner. And I think you know because Bayern Munich like to poach like young players. They don't spend big, you know. They pick up young, you know, the the prospects in the Bundesliga and turn them into something, but which he's you know, really good at. I think that'd be a great spot for him. But if he gets that spot, he's not leaving it for United. You know what I mean? Like, why would you? And but I think United. I'm surprised. I think it's. I think if Solskjaer starts dropping more games here soon, I think it, he might get fired. Because what what do we know? He also does well. He works great on a small budget, and our owners, you know, United set records for revenue every year magically we don't spend big <laughs> so they're just pocketing that money and don't even pay off the debt they have on the club yeah i think so, with united you got to do something before it's too late if you keep dropping and dropping and dropping and then you're so far out then we're stuck it's yeah, like I hope it, we lose to aston villa <clears throat> <clears throat> is it at home is it where's it at is it is it at old trafford the game um it is at Old Trafford, yes. Okay. Um, I lose to Aston Villa at Old Trafford. But it, it, it wouldn't shock me because you know what I, I want to say is about United too? I think they're a team. People, everybody says, I think drawing and losing most games, that is our level. It's not inconsistency in form is when we're losing. That's just how, that's our level now. Inconsistency for United or the anomaly is us winning games in a row. That's an anomaly. Losing they also games, have uh, our kryptonite on their team, which would be uh, Tom Heaton 
a goalkeeping oh, god. Christ. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's had his best games at Old Trafford. You know, but but hey, I think Pochettino. I think if he went to, uh, I know people he's linked to Barcelona, but apparently he won't go there because uh, he was the Espe- Espanol coach, which is crazy to me that he's that loyal to them, even though he that was so long ago. But hey, good on him. I, I mean, it's kind of good to see some people have some morals, I guess. But I thought Mourinho was gonna have those morals. No, but <laughs> Mourinho is the most. He's the most egotistical coach in the world, and but I think if I he won, wins, so well that's the thing. That's why I think if it, I think if most managers won, especially at the small teams. If I won a Champions League with Porto and a Champions League with Inter, I'd feel the same fucking way. I'd be like, I did that. Pep, you haven't won anything since uh, you haven't won the Champions League since Barcelona, when you had <laughs> arguably the best player that's ever. Step foot on a field. Yeah, and Unai Emery <laughs> miraculously found a way to lose the fucking League One with PSG. So, <laughs> well, apparently uh, Pochettino has said before he'd like to manage PSG, but I don't think that fit him because I don't nah. think he could get those players to play hard. You know what I mean? Like they kind of. I mean, he'd go there and win League One, but I just think it would be he would go there and probably leave in a year. PSG just seemed kind of. I don't think they just they're just a team like they can't I think they're boring because they don't have any competition until the Champions League nobody wants to watch their games unless it's Champions League they really got knocked out by Sulkshire last year got nice jerseys though (laughs) nice Jordan jerseys it's true got one in my closet I tell you what if fucking Liverpool get one of those next year I'm gonna fucking I'll be oh. so mad. I'll be so jealous, and I'll be. You sick never know, though. I mean, LeBron. LeBron's, I an, inve- think... LeBron's an investor uh, in Liverpool. I, so I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about Dude, it. those jerseys will look nice, though. To be honest with you, I don't want to think I about care. it. Don't care. Don't care. I mean, well, hey, red Elevens with a Liverpool jersey. <laughs> I've already asked you that before. I mean, Logan, what would you do if United got Puma jerseys? Uh, probably kill myself. A, not buy a fucking jersey. <laughs> I'd buy all the jerseys in stock and burn them. Have I, a bonfire. I can't, I can't stand fucking Puma jerseys. Number Ugh. one, I would never wear it because I would I would hate to wear. If I want to wear something like that, I go buy fucking Under Armour Under Armour thermal gear. Fucking just <laughs> I, all I of us would fucking look like Aryan Robin. I just hate like I'd have to buy like a fucking. You gotta buy like a jersey that's like three sizes too big. I don't want like buy a fucking thirteen XL to fucking. Well, fit I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I I am a victim of this because all my Arsenal Puma jerseys I wear. I'm, I normally wear a size medium, and I have to get those in large. So, yeah. Unless I wanted it to look like I was trying to wear it under my, I don't know, wear it for a workout shirt or something like that. Yeah. All right, well... Um, Hold up, Brady, Brady, Brady. We got one more. Uno Moss. We got Balotelli, boy. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, making the news today, I saw this on Twitter. Um, Balotelli. I mean, as we know, it was, I think, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember who they were playing, but the opposing fans were making racist chants towards him, and um, he was... I think he was going to walk off the field and his, the teammates wouldn't let him or whatever. Um, and then the president of Brescia 
of the team he plays for um, had a very, very controversial statement. Um, Logan, you want to go ahead and read that out? All right, well, I'll, I'll backtrack to right after the game. In the post-game uh, interviews, I know the manager of the other team who uh, had the fans that were doing the racist chants towards Balotelli said that he didn't even hear any of his fans doing it and denied it completely and said that the media was wrong and that everybody that was trying to uh, speculate about it was wrong and he thought that it was they were just trying to uh, incite some sort of rage with everybody else and which was kind of awful as opposed to supporting somebody who got racially abused. And now today, apparently, uh, the president of Brescia, who, as we've said before, is where Balotelli plays, uh, when asked what was wrong with him, the president said, he's black. What can I say? He is working on clearing himself, but he's having a lot of difficulties. And he also talked about uh, his social media presence and maybe he should stay off of social media. Which yeah, is uh, quite that, disgusting to talk um, about your own player like that. Yeah, my sort of reaction when I heard that is like, you know, when that's your guy on your team. Well, anyway, when, when you're, why would he? Balotelli's not going to make this up. I remember when he played at AC Milan um, before he went to Marseille, and he, when when he was on the bench crying after he'd been racially abused, like it's just. It's terrible to see, and he should be supported. Not having his, the manager and the president, calling him out like it's his fault. Like that's just a joke. That just is, you know. Well, I mean, he's been chanted at by opposing fans. He's been chanted at by his own fans. I don't. I'm just gonna give a little disclaimer to everybody who doesn't usually watch soccer. Uh, Italy fans are fucking racist. Don't go to <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, there's no other way to describe that. I mean, whenever whenever I see a notification uh, that says like so and so team stops game to stand for racism, I instantly know what country it's in. You don't even, <laughs> I don't even have to open the article. I already know it's in Italy. So, well, I mean, Balotelli's gotten racially abused in Italy. Lukaku. Before that, it was It'd fucking be their Lukaku. own players too. They'll be yeah. from well, Italy, and you're booing your or you're abusing your own. You know, your well, own. Yeah. And before that, it was Kevin Prince Boateng, and all of them have walked off the field uh, before. Uh, and the thing that really disgusts me about it is the way that Italy fans try to combat these accusations. They always well. Some of the things that they say is. Uh, well, it's just used as a tactic to throw a player off of their game. Uh, <laughs> they say that they don't even like different Italians from different re- regions. They're regionists. And on top of that, they're fucking racist. They don't like people of their own skin color from different regions of their country. So obviously, they're not going to like anybody that's even a different skin color than them. They're just outright discriminatory and racist. And it's just ridiculous and that it has to happen over and over and over again like please all of like if you're not italian don't go play in italy it is not a good thing to sign up for uh, well, that I, just... I don't even i don't even think you don't even if you're a fucking person of color just don't go play at all like how about that yeah i it, mean 
It's crazy. I, I I feel for him. Like, especially like imagine how right now how isolated he feels, where his you know the board and everybody they don't even support him. You know, I'm curious how the players in the locker room are treating it or how they're treating him. Hopefully somebody's got his back in there because I'll tell you what, that's I, – I, I really feel bad for him if even the players on his team were even, like, not even standing up for him because that's just – you know, what's he going to do, you know? Just quit because if, qu- if he quits and leaves, and then, then they're going to do everything they, they can to ruin his name. So – you know, and say all these things. Oh, he doesn't care, or what? He's he's not strong enough, or they're gonna make some <laughs> excuse like that. Well, that's what that's what they're gonna say. You know what I mean? They're gonna try to question his character. That's what they'll do. Um, because I do they don't back give... him up now. Go ahead, Brady. I was just gonna say they don't back him up now. Hopefully, somebody there does. And you know what? Hopefully, in January, I hope in January, just somebody somewhere else puts in an offer for the offer for him and he fucking begs just to leave that well, fucking he's, place. He's been rumored to go to the MLS and I'd love to see him in the MLS. That would be pretty nice. Yeah. Uh but I do want to give a quick shout out to the Dutch league, specifically the Ajax versus I believe it was Iran. Uh at the, during the first minute of the game, they kicked off the ball and, and for the first minute uh, they applauded in support of all people that have been uh, racially abused, especially in soccer. They uh, had uh, a message in Dutch that I don't know how to translate because I don't speak Dutch. Uh, but I'm sh- assuming it questioned the character of people who partake in racist acts. And for the whole first minute of the game, they applauded everybody that is trying to get through difficult times from suffering from racist abuse. And I think that's a really good gesture and a really good start to uh, start condemning racism. And I, I just want to applaud them for that. Yep. Uh, I think that was definitely, that was definitely a very good move on their part. And, um, you know, something, something's got to be done about it, you know, it's unacceptable. So hopefully, hopefully one day it's just, and it's kind of weird. I mean, I feel like lately, though, it's just it's just ramped up. Like, I don't remember like hearing much about it, you know, years ago. Maybe people just didn't talk about it then. But um, very true. I don't like. I don't really remember hearing much about this stuff years ago. Yeah, I feel like every week, some teams' fans are getting banned from some stadiums for. And know, maybe it was just because, like, like I said, maybe just nobody talked about it or did anything back then, and now. You know, it's making news because it's the first time people are actually, you know, actively trying to make a stand, I guess. But yeah. you know, time will tell, and hopefully things get better, and hopefully things, you know, get better for Balotelli because he seems like he's been at a forefront at the forefront of this, you know, a lot of times in his career. Um, and I think it's because he's a big, he's a big character. Um, and Italian, and he's Italian too. And and every time he's played in Italy, this has happened to him. So I'm surprised he wants to come back and play there, honestly. Um, but hopefully he gets out of there soon. Um, you know, we'll see. 
But anyway, that's going to um do you guys have anything else? Uh that you guys wanted to hit on real quick before we wrap this up? Okay. Aston Villa, please beat United and Italy. You need to shut down all the stadiums and only let the teams play and keep the fans out. That's all I have to say. Emery out. Lampard now. Please get him Fat, out. Fat Frank in. Fat Frank in. All right. Well, this has been the uncalled for. This has been the soccer edition number two. I want to thank you all for uh, listening and coming back and we're trying to uh grow our brand so if you enjoy the podcast please share it with your friends and um get on the ground floor now Um, you can uh follow us on twitter at the uncalled for the same handle for instagram so give us a follow um yeah um this has been this has been brady and we'll see you guys next week for another roundup this Saturday we should be having our anime podcast. Um and look for and just look out for other things. So check our Twitter for new updates and everything else. But again, this has been Brady alongside Logan. Trey ben. and Ben. Alright guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Woo woo. Free Melly.